Greetings, friends! Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined again on the second half of this very special Friday night double feature by returning co-host and friend, Molly Henry. Welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me back. All right, guys, so this is a double feature. This is the second half. I hope you guys listened to Labyrinth and watched Labyrinth and loved it as much as we did. If not, go back and download that. Find it as well. Uh, Just in case people didn't, Molly, would you like to reintroduce yourself, who you are, and uh, where they can find your work? Yes, I am Molly Henry. I am a film critic. I have my own website, thebloggingbanshee.com, where I review films, and then I also contribute to some other websites. Uh, most recently, I have started writing for Fangoria's original online content. Woo! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> what a resume. What a resume. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Molly, very active on Twitter, for sure. Uh, yes. <laughs> at Blogging Banshee on Twitter. Uh, you can find her. We'll tag her as well. So uh, make sure to follow. Lots of good stuff all the time. Uh, so Molly, I, I've loved uh, following Molly on Twitter and reading her stuff for a while now. So we finally uh, connected, and she was nice enough to come tonight. And the double feature she brought is absolutely amazing. So again, we did Labyrinth. Now it's time to talk about Dark Crystal, uh, perhaps one of the darkest kids' movies of all time. <laughs> it's not the light fantasy romp I remembered it as. No. <laughs> all right, so Molly. I know you said Labyrinth is probably your favorite film of all time. Correct. I, I would say, honestly, it feels like these films are always lumped together, but they are such wildly different movies. Yeah. What I are mean, your, your thoughts on, on Dark Crystal? I, I mean, I love the Dark Crystal. Mm-hmm. I think I don't have as much of a connection to it, even though I probably saw it for the first time around the same time I saw Labyrinth. Right. Um, and they are lumped together because they're both, amazing Jim Henson mm-hmm. films but Labyrinth has more of the nostalgia factor for me I watched it all the time as a kid whereas The Dark Crystal I feel like it's a very like you said it's very dark like more along the lines of legend or never ending yeah. story <laughs> um, and it's very it's a very slow ponderous film yeah. It takes like there's even at the end it's not like a ton of action or anything. Um and yeah, for almost. when you're a little kid, it's <laughs> it's harder to get into. Yeah. It's this is more of a film that I appreciate more as an adult because yeah. I appreciate the storytelling and the artistry of it and the world building. Like it's a huge it's an entire planet that they built. Yeah. I and think it's amazing. That is the thing cuz I always forget about the sci-fi element as well, right? Mm-hmm. That yeah. the the beautiful kind of naturalist fairy tale they build in the world yeah again it we only see very small parts but you feel like it's this very expansive enormous journey we go on and mm-hmm. i think part of it is just because a lot of times we're just slowly drifting down a river we're slowly yeah. <laughs> walking with the mystics in these beautiful lush settings so you feel like you've experienced a lot more of the world than you really do right i think the thing this movie doesn't have that labyrinth has right Besides oh, David song. Bowie, which would make this... If he was the king of the Skeksis, this yeah. is immediately better by two stars. No. <laughs> but I think this is the weirdest part, too, is I don't know why they made the Gefflings humanoid, if that makes sense. Okay. I think they're a little too normal of face, right? I think it's the one thing in both of these movies. 
and Labyrinth is beautiful and opulent and very, you know, out there. But I mm-hmm. think Dark Crystal, the, the creature design is so much better to me, right? Like, I'm way oh, more fascinated yeah. by the world and the creatures. And for some reason, the Geflings just feel very bland to me, right? Like, I, I love I their, their journey together and their kind of, like, earnest emotional journey. Mm-hmm. But they're the one thing in both of these movies when I see that I kind of go, eh. Yeah, I... They definitely are compared to us. They're like they're very bland because they look like us. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I almost feel like maybe they did that because it's meant for kids, and yeah. it's hard, like kids aren't going to relate as well to um, strange creatures as they would things that look more like right. little kids. Because they're, like, they're I wonder, like, like little what kids. if they had done this as an alternate history movie, like Planet of the Apes, right? Like. Yeah. You could have had like Macaulay Culkin, right? Instead yeah. of the guy. <laughs> exactly. I don't know, but I I I was really keyed in on this time with like Labyrinth. I was like, just how much I felt like I was Sarah in that movie, even though mm-hmm. she's this teenage girl, right? I'm this old guy. Like, it really <laughs> like brings you right into the core of that journey with her. Yeah. And this one, I think I think it's what you said earlier, right? Is it's kind of this this is really like a come way back and view it, right? I always heard someone uh describe like movie theater habits right is there's formalist and realist right are you the guy that runs to the front of the theater because you don't want to be able to see it all and the spaceships are flying (laughs) around you it's so fucking loud do you feel like you're in it or do you want to sit way back and look at it as like this total piece of art you know and see every detail and i think dark crystal kind of brings out that you know kind of formalist in all of us right where again i think it's yeah you're just you're sitting there immersed in this beauty but i don't know that you ever get as immersed in the journey yeah i think it's more it focuses a bit more on the world building than it does like i i never i never really feel connected to um jen or kira the way i do and it's i mean it could be because they're not human it's because they're weird little (laughs) gelfling creatures yeah right (laughs) But at the same time, I mean, we connect to non-human things in like Star Wars and stuff. Sure. So it's, I think it's, there's something about the way the story's told. And I think it could also be because they're, they're way more, the Gelflings are very altru- altruistic. Yeah. Um, And it's, it's harder for us as flawed humans to really connect with yeah. these beings who are so innocent and I, it's probably easier for kids to connect with them than adults. You know, that's a good point, man, because that's probably what kids feel like a lot because you're watching it as an adult, or at least I am. Yeah. I want the fucking wrath. (laughs) Like, I look at the skeck. It kind of reminds me a lot. Like, I have this experience a lot now. Like, as you get older, you look out at the world and you're just like, I don't understand this place. Like, what the fuck is happening? Right? And, like, you want vengeance all the time. You're like, I want bad people to have to pay for it so things make sense. Mm -hmm. And I think think another – probably reason that the Geflings are portrayed as they are is they're just this forgotten these forgotten people in this world right so to have them be these very you know legolas like defined heroic uber people doesn't really make sense to where they are i think one of the beautiful things about the movie is how much i want to be in the world without Mm -hmm. that real emotional connection right and you're just you're just looking at these two orphans right that yeah. You know, we start off in the Dark Crystal. It's this epic monologue about darkness and evil <laughs> and the Skeksis. And, you know, it's metal as shit. And then we just pan out and you're like, hey, man, they're just these two fucking orphans. And they're in this really nice corner of the world where you're like, they're just 
doing the best they can. Yeah. You know, and there, there's something kind of poetic about the Gefflings like that, that then once they're thrown into the fire of this journey, I don't know, maybe that's the thing. Maybe that it's harder because you don't want to bond with them. Cause you're like, they're so weak and vulnerable. Yeah. Like I don't want to see them get destroyed. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you put it that way, they, it makes me think of like the hobbits in yeah. Lord of the Rings. Like Absolutely. it's, it's very much like that too. <laughs> But yeah, Except like they don't give him the orc sword, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like he's just out there. Like they yeah. literally, the guy's just like, I'm dying, go on a mission. And he's like, yeah, all like, right, like you've never lied to me before in this idyllic world. And like he just goes. And it's, it's and there's something, I think that's something that I that for me is a bit harder to connect to because I feel like this story feels very almost faith-based. And I've never been someone who has been religious at all or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so it's harder for me to be like, to think of something that would make me think I would blindly go on some kind of quest mm-hmm. um, for something that I believe in. I mean, that, sound, that sounds awful that I don't believe in anything. But like, <laughs> to be fair, but, most of us really I mean. believe in nothing. <laughs> that, I mean, because I feel like that's almost the equivalent of a religious leader saying like, yeah. you need to do this to save humanity or whatever um, and go on this quest and just automatically being like, yes, you are, you are the leader. I believe that you are tapped into this power and you know what's going on. So I'm going to do it. Right. Yeah. You know, it's so funny that I I never latched on to the religious part of it, but now that you say it, like it's everywhere in the film, Mm -hmm. right? Like one of the weird moments in the movie that I was so confused by and almost mad about is I was like, why is the dark crystal ratting Jen out? Right. As soon as he starts his journey, it's like, boop, 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 boop. Like, newsflash. Hey, Skeksis, here's the guy you need to go murder. And you're like, what the fuck, Dark Crystal? <laughs> you yeah. really are bad to your core. But if you think about it as this kind of – it struck me as kind of this fate story, right? Where it's what, – what I think was really stunning to me about this time is I think the older I get, the more I focus on the Skeksis, right? Mm-hmm. is I was watching, I was just like, man, like I really spent a lot of time in the movie. I mean, I think that's one of the nice things about the movies. It lets you ponder, right? There's room to breathe. So as you get lulled into these like hypnotic, like, oh, look at those orange tentacle things. And you're yeah. lured in by the journey. You have time to stop and think. And the thing that just like was smacking me in the face constantly is what are the Skeksis fighting for? Yeah. Like, why the fuck are they so desperate to just live this life? Yeah, like it doesn't seem like they're living a great life, but I even do they even really I mean I just literally watched the movie today. <laughs> but <laughs> do they all the time? <laughs> do they even really say other than like they would ha- have complete power and control? Like what yeah. does that mean? Well, even Yeah, and the strange thing is that that kind of gets to a religious theory too, right? Is that if they have control, they will just continue to bleed everything out, right? To me, yeah. if they win, everything just dies, right? There's no win. Because that's you watch them, and they're – the scene when they, they undress the Chamberlain. Yeah. And, it, again, I was watching it with my kids because I'm like, come watch these movies from my childhood. And you're like, oh, fuck. Like, they're not ready for this. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> they watch, like, pretty safe. Like, kids' movies today are very safe for the most part. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the scariest thing now is if you watch kids movies, they always kill a parent. Right. Yeah. It's like all my kids favorite movie. It's like your dad's dead. Your mom's dead. <laughs> you know, and you're just going to play with something. And it's like, fuck. All right. But for the kids, it's mostly safe. But I think we were all kind of and like they were scared by the sword fight. Right. 
But you mm-hmm. see this there, and I think the scene when the the emperor's dying, right? They're like, he's dying. We have to crown another. There's only ten of them, and yeah. it's just these fucking things, these twisted, horrible birds, and these kind of pompous, absurd uniforms. Yeah, right, puffing themselves up, and they're just watching, waiting for this fucking thing to die. This little fucking decrepit, tiny, disgusting bird, mm-hmm. and it, the only thing he can say is, "I'm still emperor." And then yeah. he dies and just turns into fucking dust. Yeah. And probably the only thing that was keeping him alive was his desire to be in control of everyone else. Yeah, man. It like it really struck me because one thing I had totally forgotten in the movie is how one Skeksy is bonded to one of the mystics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that that's something that really meant a lot to me today was watching that when you cut to this very Yoda like death of the mystic who's kind of like in a blanket and everyone's chilling and he has his friend yeah. with him. And he just like quietly disappears, right? He's not like crumbling in upon himself. And so when they're like, oh, Skeksy rule is like, we're going to fucking fight for it, right? We're all going to fight to take power. And it's just, it really struck me as so disgusting today. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's just, and I think that's a really, I think that's really a cool part of the movie, right? Like I like that they're not, because like you said, it's like, what does it mean if they rule? Yeah. Like, what are they fucking ruling? This one little stupid castle in the middle of a desert. Yeah. And it's, it's funny how they, the, it's Jim Henson and Frank Oz directed this one as well. It's really interesting to watch how they really try to do everything to make kids and adults hate the Skeksis. Cause I, obviously they're hideous creatures. Yeah. They they have these weird opulent outfits and very oh, again kind of Victorian kind of like we saw with yeah. the crystal ballroom or whatever yeah, in sure. Labyrinth. Um, they have slaves. They suck the essence out of their slaves. Dude. Even the way they eat, like when they show uh, them eating, and it's just like yeah, and, and he's just cramming food in his face. He's yeah. like, this is gross and rotten. It's like again it's like the platform i had that same where I was, yeah i've come to realize like gross eating is the worst thing in movies yeah it's awesome. <laughs> and it's i mean if they were to rule it would essentially just be them probably expanding and destroying more like they already killed off all they thought all the gelflings mm-hmm. eventually they'd probably kill off all the podlings too yeah and so on and so on until there was nothing left yeah, and that's the thing. They never talk about this is our plan. You know, most movies like this, there would be the once I do this, I can raise an army. I can bring back yeah. Skeksis we've lost, right? Like zombie Skeksis or whatever. If you want to get really <laughs> nightmare inducing, there's no plan of that, yeah. right? The guy just takes power. He's like, this is my shit now. Like, yeah. I'm the king. Bow to me. And that's it, man. And even the fact that when the Chamberlain loses, they fucking just chuck him out. Yeah. I'm like, there's only fucking nine of you left. You've been together for a thousand years and you're just like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, just, so, it's so cruel and heartless. You know? yeah. It's funny too. I was just thinking how you mentioned like the, the juxtaposition, how it shows how what the emperor dies versus how the leader of the mystics dies and how different that is. Even when um, I think Jen like scratches, um, he stabs uh, the Chamberlain, Chamberlain with the shard. Chamberlain's yeah. hands, yeah. And his hand bleeds, and he screeches, like, my hand! And then they show the mystic, and he just kind of looks at him, and he's like, my hand. Like, Tom's <laughs> just like, sit and look, yeah. there's my hand. Like, Those mystics just... were growing something out there for all these <laughs> Well, there's the one scene when the, the kind of slaver, right? The slaver mad scientist Skeksy 
gets thrown down the fucking walls. Ah, yeah. he's falling into the abyss. And they cut to the mystics, and one guy just like yeah. explodes well, in a fireball. Look, yeah. Okay, continue. The guy walk. in the front never breaks pace. He's just, well, we're pretty slow. We got a long fucking one. But even that, right? I was struck by the mystics. I'm like, this is the slowest ticking clock in the history of movies, right? Like, they're just slow. There is this, this predetermination in the movie, which I feel like would be a detriment to most movies, which never bothered me at all in this one, mm-hmm. right? That they send Jen just because. And he'll make it because they're they're go- they never once stop with the mystics and be like, what if he does the panic scene? Right. What if he doesn't make it? What if he needs more help? They just send him on an errand like it's nothing. Yeah. Just tell him right where the crystal is. Right. He doesn't have to really journey for it. <laughs> you know, he just plays the flute and he has this thing and they just believe that he'll be there when they do this long walk. Which it's also funny to me because now that we're talking about it, I realize how crazy it is that Jen left before they did. Yet they get there, like, almost at the same time. <laughs> like, why do you guys just bring them with you? Oh, man. There are, like, movie editing things that drive me nuts sometimes. Like, uh, I remember when Argo came out, and everyone's like, Argo's the best movie. And I was like, yeah, but the airport scene, the way they edit it, right? It just fucking drives me nuts. You're like, he said five minutes, and this is, like, 30 minutes of movie. <laughs> right? Like, I know you're trying to make me tense, but, like, it, it fuck like, cl- weird clock things yeah. that don't need to exist at all just drive me fucking insane. Like, just stop saying numbers. And just say, we got to go fast. <laughs> like, don't tell me a number that's impossible, right? My only to- rationalization that I can think of is that he had to stop at Agra's to get the crystal. Yeah. And maybe that, that was might have in been a, a different track. direction. Yeah. Like, because that seems like it involved more hiking, and that might be a little hard for that's the mystics. <laughs> and also, they're not going to be able to escape a burning building. Like, there's no, no way. <laughs> they, they, I mean, they move at a literal snail's pace. Yeah. So that's well, not- it's also kind of funny, man, because this just dawned on me. But I was like, oh, my God, are the mystics using the Geflings similar to the Skeksis? Like, hey, go on like this oh. fucking hardcore journey for us. Like one of them couldn't have done that in a thousand years. But like, hey, we should just have that for when it's time. Yeah, I <laughs> mean, they're protected. They, I the, think the creatures they, cannot kill them. I think they like the Skeksis are very into prophecies. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, this prophecy says a fucking gelfling is gonna do this he's gonna find the crystal he's gonna fix the crystal yeah. or not if the prophecy fails but yeah. that like it's either one or the other so we're because i'm sure at some point realistically they could have gone to augur themselves got the crystal and exactly. fixed it like because but it had to be can't, this exact the Skeksis moment cannot attack them yeah if the Skeksis attack them they will die right but for some reason it has to be a gelfling it's that exact moment when everything is aligned yeah. and it's and that it's so straight because again everything we're saying in that vein you're like it my initial reaction is i want to be pissed because you're <laughs> telling me that the the journey of the character is not as heroic and doesn't matter but this movie really does a great job of sidestepping that hurdle mm-hmm. you know in most movies that would be an enormous flaw in the movie right like yeah. if in speed they could just hit the brakes you know what i mean like speed doesn't work anymore like you have to have it be a really hard journey yeah and this i think that what they do so well is they really sit and bond us to these kind of bigger ideas. Like you're saying, right? Like mm-hmm. the one scene that was absolutely gut wrenching is when you realize uh, that they're both for the first time realizing their families were only murdered because of the prophecy. They're on their oh. way to fulfill just yeah. in that temple. And when the Chamberlain comes in and he's like, Hey, just, you know, work with me, find peace. And you see Jen so much just being like, yeah, okay. 
Yeah. Right? <laughs> right after he's taken in this horrific knowledge, and then you see it set in on him, and they, they run in this kind of fear for the moment. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I think that's what the movie does is it builds these lush, beautiful worlds, right? Like unbelievable matte paintings and the set, yeah. like Augur's, you know, house, her crib is yeah. unbelievable. <laughs> it's one of the coolest sets I've ever seen in a movie. And when they're playing and writing on the, the planets, unbelievable, mm-hmm. right? But yeah. what they do is, <laughs> this is like I was not prepared for, turning on for my kids is every fucking step on this kind of, beautiful half of the journey right on the other side of the planet or wherever uh where the good stuff is every fucking stop ends in tragedy yeah like way more tragedy than i remembered or was prepared for (laughs) i think that also might be part of why jen had to go on that journey because it seemed especially when he meets up with kira it seems very much like he because he was raised by the mystics he led a very sheltered life oh yeah and like how you said, when he fir- when he first like learns about the prophecy and about the truth behind everything, and then the Chamberlain is like, no, let's team up. And he at first is like, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's because he had never like firsthand experienced the tragedy that Kira had. Yeah. Um, not only with seeing her parents die, but then like her podling family being attacked and stuff repeatedly by the Skeksis and stuff. Oh, um, so he needed that to kind of grow up a bit. On, yeah. Like, it's a hero journey and a, a coming-of-age story all in one. Yeah, and I mean, that really plays with the religious theory, too, right? Is that, like, mm-hmm. just imagine someone's like, hey, it's all going to be okay. And then one day you're just like, oh, fuck, dude, it's not okay. Yeah. Like, you tell me there's this finish line where it'll be good, but you're like, Agra's awesome house just got burned down. I don't know if she's dead. Yeah. Uh, these, you know, podlings are being enslaved. Mm-hmm. And we're just assuming that none of them get killed there, right? But that we see families of podlings in this whole community. Yeah. And these giant – and that this is, like, the coolest thing in the movie, those giant fucking monster crabs, right? The, the yeah. Githrums? Githrums? Something like that. I can't that. remember what they're called. Yeah, I actually wrote it down because I was like, don't forget. And then I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew I would. But anyways, the giant crab, right? Like, yeah. you just watch these fucking nightmarish whores, and they're so – the way they – pulled that off is unfucking believable there's mm-hmm. some of the coolest monsters ever in a movie right yeah. but you're just watching them and it it hit me how fucking extra scary it is that they're not just like hulk raging and smashing podlings around they're putting them in a fucking basket yeah oh my god it's it's the kind of brutality you just don't experience anymore when yeah. in these kind of movies and then so you pair that right with the slaves we've already seen, with the, hey, we're going to take your fucking life essence away. When you see that podling's face start to melt, is fucking brutal to watch. Yeah. Like, see everything just get sunk in. And also, that's a really cool effect that they did. Amazing, yeah. Like, just to see the eyes glaze over and oh turn purple and all the skin just kind of shrivel up and yeah. suck in. Ugh. Yeah. But the movie never misses a beat to add tragedy, right? Because what mm-hmm. do we see right after that? is the guy takes a sip, right? And he's like, oh, look at my hair. He's like looking at himself in this blurry reflection. And then we realize it didn't even work. Yeah. He fucking throws the rest of that podling's life essence on the ground. So it just did it for nothing. Just nothing. So this thing is just a fucking hollowed out husk of a creature with no family, no village, and will just be a slave for absolutely nothing. He has no joy in the fact, you know, he's not even enjoying that he stole the essence. Mm-hmm. And it's just like I I could not 
I could not square this time around the unrelenting <laughs> sadness of this movie. Yeah. Like the CXCs are really just the epitome of all evil. Like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like, and it's funny. Cause like when people think of horrible evils, you think of like Lord Voldemort and stuff like that. And it's, I, I feel like there's something about the pettiness yeah. of the CXCs that almost makes them worse than virtually any other villain. Almost any because ever. They they don't they don't have a reason for doing it. They're they're not doing it because they think they're a sup I mean, they probably do think they're a superior race, but sure. But <laughs> they don't they're... think that they're helping by being superior. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like they, they don't think they're bettering the world in their own twisted way. They just want the power and they want to have control over everyone and everything and to be able and everything is dispensable to them. Yeah. And all of that just to live in the fucking shittiest place that we've ever <laughs> seen it. Like, there's no, like, recreational room. There's no, yeah. like, look at this. This, like, oh, there's, like, a comfy place for them to lay. <laughs> like, it just looks terrible. It yeah. looks fucking terrible. And, yeah, but I, I was trying to think. I was like, man, like, even Satan, right? Like, Satan just got jealous. Like, that makes sense. We yeah. can all understand jealousy, right? Like, we mm -hmm. get that. He was, like, the most beloved, and it still wasn't enough, right? Yeah. All right, I get that. Like Jason, you know? Oh, well, he saw his mom die, and he's a zombie now because he got killed. Like Jason ha is relatable, right? Yeah. Like even in if they try to make Pennywise, like, well, you know, he got stuck here. Like he didn't want to be here either, <laughs> right? And he's hungry. Like all well, these characters have something. I don't even think of him as that evil compared to the Skeksis. The Skeksis, I'm, I'm telling you off the top of my head, I'm like, they have to be – because even like serial killers and this and that, there is some kind of mental defect, right? Like, yeah. Like you get – I don't know. Maybe I, I'm not obviously smart enough to comment on anything medical or psychological. I just know from the stuff that I have imbibed, it feels like people always say that there's some kind of genetic betting that has to exist. Right. Mm -hmm. And then whatever triggers it, that's how you get a psychopath. So even that you're like, there's a built in flaw yeah. that makes them relate. The Skeksis, we don't necessarily know how they got there and why this started a thousand years ago, but there is not one fucking scene of redemption. Yeah. And they set it up like the Chamberlain's going to be the, oh, you know, you shouldn't have fucking smacked him around and betrayed him. Now he's going to bring you down. He's still only in it because he wants to be back in the fucking club. Mm -hmm. It's like every he wants that scene. power. Yeah. And you almost get the point. Like, here is something that really kind of stopped me in my tracks is you get the sense that Agra would have betrayed the Gefflings as well. I feel like she's a bit more of a neutral party in everything. Well, that's what I mean, though, is like yeah. you're so desperate for her to not be neutral, right? She's like yeah. the, the guiding soothsayer. And she's just like, if you wanted Gefflings, why didn't you just ask me? And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, she had a price, too. <laughs> you're just like, everyone is a piece of shit in this world. <laughs> and it's I almost feel like that. It, I don't know how to put this. The... The Ponder's journey and the the way that the Skeksis are only portrayed as these horrible, evil things might be one of the reasons why I, I'm sure a ton of purist listeners are going to be pissed at me for saying this. And people <laughs> that don't even know who I am are going to hate me. They're going to hate um, you. <laughs> but I actually prefer the, the new Dark Crystal Age of Resistance miniseries. Um. Partly because it, they expand on the world a lot. Yeah. like, And we get more of the backstory. So we kind of understand a bit more about how it even got to this point that's in the right. film. 
Well, you definitely um, latch on to the various Gefflings way more. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, they actually sure. have a stake in this. There's, and, like, the character development is so different, and it's, um, yeah, and it's, I, like, I I keep wanting to be like, when the fuck is season two coming out? Come on, guys. Yeah, right. just, I know we're under <laughs> quarantine now, but come on. <laughs> Um, no, we saw on Twitter this week, people love when you say sequels are better than the original. Yes. People are very understanding about things like that. <laughs> no, I mean, if I'm being 100% honest, I'm with you. I think the series is just, and I don't think that's a bad thing. People get really bent out of shape about stuff like this. But to me, the way I look at it, right, is that the Dark Crystal miniseries couldn't exist without that awesome movie and us yeah. loving it that much, right? Exactly. And so what they did, and they, they went back. And I know last show Labyrinth, I was like, they'll never make a movie like that. Well, they made a show like it. They <laughs> built things. They built real sets and used yeah. the, the puppeteers again. So, you know. And they, that's why it's so amazing. Yeah. It, it really plays to me. And I don't see. I don't think it's like you have to do either ors. I hate that about fandoms. To yeah. me, it, it's just this really great love letter to this thing we like. And they're like, hey, we all love that thing. But, you know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of unexplored stuff. And they, they take. Yeah. You know, they give us more time to sit. And that's the thing, you know, if you're doing a miniseries, that's part of it is you're going to journey more. And this exactly. movie itself is a really kind of slow thinking journey. It's a thoughtful journey. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I actually think it's better. And it's like <laughs> the, loving the series and thinking it's amazing doesn't take away from how amazing no. the film is. No, that that's like one of those stupid. I don't know about your Twitter, but mine has only become hey, pick one thing, and that means you hate other things, <laughs> right? So every day I get on Twitter, and it's four movies, only one. And I'm like, all right, it's fun as an experiment, but then when I pick, I always get someone messaging me being like, really? Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, I'm picking my movie, motherfucker. Like, you can pick yours. <laughs> and also, like, just because I pick, you know, uh, Hellraiser doesn't mean I don't like The Exorcist and Halloween and shit. Like, yeah, that's exactly. just my flavor, man. <laughs> yeah. And I think that I, – I think that – that series to me, I was shocked at how much care they took mm -hmm. to make it a perfect bonded uh, art piece to the movie. Yeah. And I, I love that. I mean, I think there are a few minor exceptions that like practically would have been impossible to do. Yeah. But I love that they stayed true to Jim Henson's puppeteering and like they it's so crazy how they were able to. I mean, I guess it makes sense because I, when I watch the show, I'm like, wow, this world is so much more beautiful looking yeah. than the one in the film. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we're seeing the film is at a point when the Skeksis have already taken over everything. Oh, yeah. And they've made it ugly with war and with their yeah. evilness. And so we're seeing it when it's still like a pristine world yeah. now on, in the series. So it's a two very different worlds. So it makes sense that it would be more vibrant and beautiful. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I actually was I was really impressed at how I think it was one of the cool, you know, ponderous moments for me is is how much beauty was still in this world. Because mm -hmm. there is this this weird disconnect between this all powerful parasitic alien species, right, in this castle. Like when you watch aliens, the xenomorphs are never going to stop eating. They're not just gonna yeah. like sit in the castle and be like, I bet there's no prey over there. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're constantly on the hunt and the Skeksis, to be fair, are just a version of that, right? They're these yeah. these predatory creatures. And it is strange to me. Like, so over a thousand years, at a point, they just stopped hunting. Mm -hmm. So on, And I think that's what's cool, though, is on some level, they're telling us that even they, they know how useless their existence is mm -hmm. and how hopeless even being selfish and evil is. 
And so while we're watching these just disgusting fucking creatures, we're also seeing that, you know, there are these little societies and hopeful, like, decent spots. I think it's kind of cool because if at the end of the movie it would make sense, right, to, like, a writer it would imagine or a director would be like, oh, everything's a wasteland, right? Like, we're living in bunkers and, you know, like the Mad Max Geflings instead of the ones (laughs) we get now. But I think it's really kind of cool and important to the movie that, we still like that that little scene when they're just kind of cruising down the river, mm-hmm. you know, and they have like these really nice moments where they're just kind of sitting together yeah. and just enjoying company, being spiritually bonded. Right. And I, I think I think that was a really cool part of the movie is that there was still some parts of the world that are good. Yeah. And you like know? even just when shortly after um, Jen leaves and you get that panning shot where they just show all the different wildlife and the different plant oh, life yeah. and stuff like just something as simple as that shows that the entire world hasn't been affected, even though there's like no more gelflings and stuff and societies have been affected, but there are parts of nature that are still the way the world used to be. Yeah. I mean, no no matter what they do, they can never snuff out. And that's something I think she said that Agra said that, right. Is that uh, creation can be good and bad, right? Like it's kind of a, Mm -hmm. a mixed bag. And I think that's the thing. In the world, because this it places this kind of very melodramatic fable, right? Good and evil <laughs> on a collision course, and then the movie starts, and it's like, well, it's all pretty predetermined, but right? yeah, but you're still gonna ponder and float, and I, I think that is why it works, even though you pretty much this is one of those movies you pretty much know exactly what's happening all the time, mm-hmm. but I, I think they find ways through these kind of these. Really human moment. It's funny because I, I started this podcast by bitching about the Gefflings not being relatable enough. <laughs> but there's a shocking amount of really human moments, right? Both yeah. good and tragic. So, I mean, the movie is a lot of tragedy, but you have to have those those kind of nice human moments, right? Mm-hmm. And like, like at the end, would he even jump on that crystal if he hadn't seen Kira? Yeah. You know, like yeah. if he had never found her and had this, you know, really fast, like, oh, I found something worth living for finally. Mm-hmm. You know, would he jump on that crystal? Would he even like want to go into that castle? You know, would he have stopped somewhere along the way? Yeah. Like, would he have seen the tragedies of the Podling Village and be like, "Man, fuck this"? Which <laughs> is probably why it was important for him to go on that journey by sure. himself, separate from the mystics. Yeah. Um, and I think it's interesting. I think even though we knew inevitably where the story was going to go, I like that they still managed to make it a a bit of a surprise when the crystal is fixed and we saw that like, cause we knew the Skeksis and mystics were connected, but we didn't know that they were technically the same being that separated because the crystal was broken. Yeah. Um, Cause I don't think that was something that any of them knew. Like, cause even Augur was like, yeah, one day the two species just appeared a thousand years ago when the crystal broke. We don't know where they came from or what they are. His vision of it was a Skeksi hitting the crystal right and we were led to believe that that's what happened but then at the end you're like i don't remember yeah because he sees some flash where it's like and he smashes the crystal and almost as if we're led to believe oh that's what happened oh then we learn later it's not you know that i yeah i i think what you said is really good right is that even though you know what's coming they still do find little ways to surprise us, right? Mm-hmm. Like I th- uh, a moment I thought of a lot was uh, when he gets locked in the basement, right? With the giant crab things again. Oh, yeah. They're just emerging from the darkness, and it's awesome. 
Yeah. And you're like, all right, so in this predetermined way, they built these machines to kill Geflings, right, to save them from the prophecy. Those fucking things are the one that smashed the wall open so he can escape. You know what I mean? It's like they they created their – it's that, you know, you find your destiny on the path you take to avoid it kind of thing. And I think they just – they have so many of those great moments. Like you were talking about that final scene. I mean, what an unexpected way to play that. Yeah. Like I kind of thought, I'm like, oh, these guys are going to do some like four-armed Master Splinter stuff. <laughs> they're going to come in and whoop some Skeksis' ass. You know what I mean? They're, they're going to be like Yoda where he seems really slow and frail, but really he can kick everyone. We've been carb loading and saving ourselves for battle. <laughs> yeah, and then they just they just walk to their places like nothing's happening around them. Yeah. Like they're not worried about the shit falling on them. They're just, hey, we're here. And that moment also, this is my favorite part of the movie that I also kind of forgotten about is – when Jen finally dunks the thing, and it's not this immediate eureka moment, right? So as all this pandemonium's happening, the monsters are falling apart, the Skeksis are running around, ah! he just his eyes never leave uh, Kira. Mm-hmm. And he just walks over and he holds her. And he's kind of sitting there watching this fucking enormous, elaborate <laughs> display of what is happening, right? Like just yeah. days ago, he was like, I'm just like a, a helper guy at like a farm ranch. <laughs> and now like look at what's happening and it's not worth it to him mm-hmm. you know he saved the day technically because he was supposed to but he lost his only thing man yeah and him holding her i was like i got real teary-eyed in that moment i was like fuck that's such a great way to play that final scene and i think that's the cool thing about this movie is I, it feels like one of those movies where they always could have and probably were pushed to make the other decision. Yeah. You know, because for I kids, like yeah. you said, it should be more swashbuckling and, you know, harder yeah. along the way. But there's just these real, I mean, it kind of played, it had a like 1917 vibe to me today. You know what I mean? Where it's just him kind of along the way, just seeing these terrible realities. Yeah. You know, and I was like, that's really fucking crazy way to make a kid's movie. Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of what growing up is. It's, I mean, it's not like as kids we went on these grand adventures and like <laughs> fought things and stuff. We just went along, and yeah. along the way, we saw some crazy shit that altered the way we think. Yeah, man. So it makes sense that that would be his journey as well. Yeah. No, I mean, it's just, it's just beautiful, man. But <laughs> I mean, I guess there, there is a lot of action still. I'm yeah. sitting here acting like there's none. I mean, they they literally throw a dog down the well and then stab his girlfriend. <laughs> so it's still hardcore. <laughs> but they it all for that end part. Yeah. I mean, there there. <laughs> I had this the other day on, a, I care what show we were doing. Oh, yeah, it was Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Oh. And I was like, every time I watch that movie, which is probably more than I should, I'm fascinated by that <laughs> film. But every fucking time, and my, my co-host Alex was just laughing in my face. I'm like, every time I watch it, I still hold out a flicker of hope that he's not going to fucking put her in that suitcase. Oh, yeah. Like, every time, like, there's going to be the happy ending where Henry realizes he has love and he doesn't have to kill anymore. (laughs) And every time I see that suitcase, I get extra irrationally mad, right? And this movie (laughs) has that effect on me where there are endings you know are coming, but, like, you're still worried. Yeah. And every time I watch it, I'm like, if those motherfuckers don't revive her, I swear to God. <laughs> like, I was sitting there like, I know it's coming, but I'm still kind of holding my breath and getting, like, all worked up. Which is so funny because I'm the kind of person where, like, I I I associate the Gelflings more as human than anything. So yeah. this still applies to them where it's like, I don't care if people die, but if one of the animals dies, I'm so mad. 
So when Fizzgig gets thrown down there, I'm like, if you don't fucking rescue that little furball, I'm going to be so mad. And when the, the land striders get killed, oh, I, that, that wrecks was, me. That was brutal. The one that fell off the cliffs, you're like, dude, you just like co-opted them for a run. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. And, and it felt like, like those gefflings in the basket didn't get fall. away. Like those what? people, those, those gefflings in the basket were just going to get picked back up. Oh, you mean the podlings? The podlings. What the Geffle? Yeah, the podlings. So you're like, it feels so useless. Yeah. Oh, but that's what I mean is like the the amount of suffering that is just anyone who gets in the path of this thing. Yeah. Oh man. It it's real. I'm I'm with you. I actually yeah, I watched Audition the other day. <laughs> okay. Like I remember loving that movie. You're like, I haven't done this in a while. Awesome film. Way stranger than I remember. And that's like my my vibe now. <laughs> but when I saw that dog, I almost turned it off. Oh, yeah. I was like, don't fucking kill dogs. Like, yeah. don't. <laughs> I'm not for. It's weird. I guess that's the thing, too. Like, there are movies I've seen recently. Like, I didn't realize hanging dead children on the scoreboard was as much of a thing in movies. But once you have kids, you start noticing it a lot where they're just like, yeah, kids are going to die in this. And you're like, why? Like, why are we doing that? So, yeah, I, I was with you, man. When they threw my my kids actually were like uproariously angry at that. <laughs> But he, I think he knew instinctively. He's like, they're not going to do that to me. Yeah. He's not old enough to have been betrayed by a filmmaker. <laughs> <laughs> Give it time. Give it a couple years. Yeah. Then it'll oh, be fine. It's straight. I don't know. Do you have cats? I have two cats and two dogs. Would you ever feel that way about a dead cat in a movie? I feel like I've seen dead cats and it doesn't move the needle for me. Um, It depends on the cat. Generally, like any, <laughs> honestly, generally any animal, I, no. I can't handle it. Yeah. I, I even this is so stupid. This is a dog, but still, even in Jaws, they don't show anything happen to the dog. It's just implied that yeah. Jaws ate the shark. Yeah, it, it makes me cry every time. Yeah, they don't right. even show anything. Jaws probably ate a dog. You're like, you yeah. fucker. Like the dog's <laughs> in the water, and then the guy's calling it, and it's not coming yeah. back. To so it's like he's eating people's teenage daughters. You're like, well, he's a shark. What do you expect? He's one dog. Fuck you, shark. <laughs> Go ahead. Those kids shouldn't have been in the lagoon oh. anyway. Get them. <laughs> uh, you know what's so funny? I wonder if the Meg did that on purpose as an homage to Jaws. Probably. They, in the Meg, they do the same thing where the ducks. I took my he, he was only four. I don't know why I took him to see the Meg. <laughs> He's fascinated by giant animal and monster movies, right? Like he loves Godzilla and like anything with a giant. He watched it's Anaconda, loves yeah. giant animal movies. And he said the same thing. He's like, where's the dog? Where's the dog, dad? Where's the dog? And I'm like, hey, pipe down. It's a theater. But also I was like, you fuckers. <laughs> You fucker, right? Like, we've just seen him, like, mauling Chinese, you know, beachgoers. Yeah. But, like, that one little tiny dog, and I was so mad. Didn't the dog survive in that, though? Yeah, I thought they yeah. showed it pop At up At the later. end, they yeah. show him come back, and you're just like, oh, thank God, Pippin's alive. <laughs> you can see everyone else on that boat, but don't touch that dog. Yeah, leave. you can have the whole wedding party. I don't yeah. care. Not the fucking dog. Totally fine. Yeah, I, that, that's a weird one. Yeah, that, that was a, an emotionally, but that's so strange that, it's been a long time since I watched this movie and the, the emotional trauma just faded away. I remember it as this kind of fantasy jaunt through this <laughs> beautiful world. And that's so not the movie that this is. Yeah. I mean, it's funny cause I feel like this one in a lot of ways is very similar to the never ending story. Yes. Good and call. I mean, obviously it's, it's also kind of similar to labyrinth. It's there's some similar stuff going on, but in the sense that it's an entire entire world that is built, mm. um, like 
with lots of different creatures and different places and things. Um, but I think that one is so much more uh, never ending story. We remember as being emotionally devastating because it's with, it happens with things that we know, like with the horse, with our text, like we know what horses are. We've experienced horses. <laughs> so like, it's easier for us as kids and even as adults to be like, that is a horribly sad thing. Why did they do that? I hate this movie now. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, and also those are like the only two things recognizable from our world are him and that horse. Exactly. Yeah. So you're like, no, he's alone. With <laughs> and it's, I think that's, again, I think that's probably why they made the Gelflings mostly humanoid so yeah. we could connect with them more on an emotional level. But still, I feel like it, it made it so it was easier for us to forget the tra yeah. the traumatic things that happened in this until we watch it again and then it's like whoa that I mean, just there is a theory about that right is that the more it's like uh, something i read about when you're creating comic books right in art the more hyper detailed it is the more you're pulling the audience out because you're specifically telling them what's there and who this guy is whereas if you do kind of like a more classical like circular face with not as much detail it's easier for us to put our own facial details on that character. Ah, uh, yeah. So the Gefflings do become this, and they do that really cool child's play thing where, like, they'll show him running around. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's, it's so funny because they'll do that, and it's I remember specifically the scene when they, they find the, like, hidden entrance into yeah. the castle. And he, you see Jen, like, running over and, like, climbing up and – um, Kira's like, I don't want to go in there. And he, you hear him say, oh, no, it's totally fine. We can go in this way. But we're only seeing the back of his head because it's a person in a costume and not a yeah. puppet anymore. Like, I'm not going to turn around and look at you. I'm watching for danger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that is the – this one, I, I like that about it, right? Because, again, predetermination is a bit of a problem, but it does feel dangerous, this world, mm -hmm. right? And and more so than Labyrinth, right? Labyrinth feels yeah. – there doesn't feel like there's a history in the Labyrinth. It feels like a vanity project for her, yeah. right? Even though the world itself – both of these movies do an unbelievable job of making these worlds feel real and lived in. Mm -hmm. But this one, like you said, this feels like a whole real world with a past and trauma, yeah. whereas Labyrinth just feels more about her, right? Like, even the people we see, like Hoggle, you're like, Hoggle has seen some shit. Yeah. But, like, we don't worry about that, right? It's yeah. not his POV. <laughs> and I think it's more, this one, it's more, um, it's a more fatal situation. Oh, yeah. Like, because we know that there have been, the Gelflings have been wiped out. We know that, like, we saw Skeksy and a Mystic die and things. So, like, death is very much a part of this world. Yeah. Whereas in Labyrinth, we there i mean as far as we can tell there's no death like the the part with the cleaner in the tunnel is the only thing that hints at death because like if right. they they wouldn't survive that <laughs> but even that one it's like this terrifying device that as it goes by it's yeah, like a little clown the car they immediately take the danger yeah. i mean but they like, are there is the looming hey there could be a dead infant <laughs> well, right no, so they have this looming danger it, it turns into a goblin Oh, that's true. He's just going to be part yeah. of the party. So he would just become something else. And like, even when um, Jareth was threatening Hoggle, he was threatening him by throwing him into the bog of eternal stench. So you're going to be stinky for the rest of your life. Like yeah. the place that we literally see them just walk right through. <laughs> yeah. So, and, so there's it, this one there. The stakes are so much higher. Yeah. I think is a big part of the, why this one is so much more intense. <laughs>
Yeah, and I mean, it's it's the hard thing, right? Because this is something you see a lot in like superhero movies now. Is there's this really hard problem of sometimes the stakes get so high that there's no drama, mm-hmm. right? Like at the end of a Superman movie, you can see all of the fucking buildings getting crushed and imagine wow, there's like millions of dead people in Chicago. Yeah. But we know Superman will prevail, and in the next movie, Metropolis will be rebuilt. Because that movie can't go the other way, right? This movie has that same kind of the world is ending stake, but we spend a lot of time, like you said, kind of just pondering and looking at like the actual emotional fallout leading to that event. Mm-hmm. In the actual event itself, you know, it's, it's more of the, the world going out with a, a gasp than a scream. Yeah. Just as, uh, you know? <laughs> and I, I think that's a really cool way to make this. I think there's another more Willow-esque version of this movie, right? Where it's a little more swashbuckling and yeah. Jin has a sword. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's the Doctor Who fan in me. I, I like heroes that don't carry weapons and stuff. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. It's very optimistic. I mean, he does use the crystal as a, a shank, yeah. but. <laughs> <laughs> but only when he really needs to. Yeah. I mean, all he's doing is fixing something. Like, yeah. that's his hero journey is I'm here to repair and fix a wound. Mm-hmm. I think that's really – I mean, I, I, I'm i captured by – I understand why this is not as emotionally bonded to my childhood as the others, right? Yeah. It's really fun. But as a, a young kid, I was more into the, the sword fighting and stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's I, Like I said, it's something that I appreciate so much more now than I did when I first saw oh, it when I was sure. probably like five years old or whatever. I mean, just uh, the staggering amount of craftsmanship in this movie. Yeah. Like, I mean, when you're old enough and you're really like, you know, into a, being a cinephile and, you know, you start making your own stuff. Like any of us who've ever dabbled in making a video, you look at something like that. It's just like, how the fuck yeah. did they accomplish <laughs> any of that? Like, I make short films all the time. You're like, I have no fucking clue how someone can be that good at anything that happens in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Which actually, I can plug my fun fact right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ensign mentioned a fun fact on the labyrinth part, but it actually connects to the dark crystal, so it's fine. Um, so Toby, the baby from Labyrinth, yeah, his real name is Toby, um, but he is the son of um, two of the designers that worked on a bunch of Jim Henson stuff. Um, really? Brian, I don't know if it's Fruit or Froud, um, and Wendy Meidner, and um, he grew up to become like a fabricator and a designer. And he worked on age of resistance. Really? Yes. Oh my God. Toby. And so it's cool to see it come full circle. Like this kid that was, <laughs> he's an art department goblin now. <laughs> so it's, I like, and he even, I think I, I follow him on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> cause it's cool to see the little, cause he'll post pictures of like little sculpts that he did of different little creatures and stuff that oh, could fit awesome. in. to labyrinth or the dark crystal. Um, and he, I don't know if he did the full book, but like, there's the book that's like the making of Mm -hmm. the dark crystal age of resistance and stuff. And he posted about how before the world ended, um, he had gone to like a book signing for it. Um, and it's just so cool to see that. And it's, I, I think that is also a testament to how amazing Jim Henson is at world building that these people like become part of the family that work on these films and they're so dedicated to it and they love it that even their kids grow up to do this kind of stuff. I mean, I think, 
I think that's the way I remember these movies. Like the only word that describes them to me is just magic. You know. Oh. I, I don't think sure. a lot of movies really. I, we always hear movie magic, mm-hmm. but these really do feel different and imbued with some energy that you just rarely like i said i was an ewok adventure kid those movies don't have the magic like these two yeah (laughs) like i love those a lot and they mean a lot to me but they're just not the fucking same i I stumbled across a quote right by albert camus or camus i can't remember he wrote the stranger and a lot of he's a famous writer but he said uh fiction is where we tell lies so we can understand hard truths Mm -hmm. right and that that kept flashing in my head as I was watching these movies, right? Is yeah. these are kids movies that are really taking us on very serious journeys. And as it's rare that kids movies, you can grow with so much, right? That the themes keep shifting and evolving like us, the audience. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, I know labyrinth will never go anywhere. I think it's more iconic and more sunken in than this. But mm-hmm. again, I just, I can't imagine a time when people, won't want to just sit and be, you know, bathed in what the dark crystal's doing. Yeah. And I think especially now that there's the the Netflix show, yeah. I think that's not only helping expand the world that it created, but it's I think that's a really great way to bring in new younger audiences. Right. That maybe maybe they even have seen the movie, but they didn't appreciate it as much. And now it's making them revisit it and kind of rethink what they initially thought about the film the first time they saw it. Yeah. I mean, that's the cool thing that, cause I know everyone takes shots. Like everyone hates the, the fucking franchising and the remakes and the, yeah. the reboots and the sequels, but when it's good. Yeah. It's really good. Like, you know, everyone fucking has their, their takes on, uh, you know, the star Wars movies. I know that I've been in the battle, you know, for too long. <laughs> like I know all of the, the, the wounds we've all suffered. But then mm-hmm. something like The Mandalorian comes out, and you don't hear that shit anymore. Yeah, exactly. We're all just like, awesome, we love Star Wars again. <laughs> you know? I think <laughs> that is the great thing about this era, is that these things are still so beloved and have that magic mm-hmm. and the allure that hopefully, if you get the right people, you can just keep expanding these worlds and keep having fun in them. You know, yeah. that's that's like the bright, optimistic side of, you know, the, kind of the, the world we live in. Yeah. All right, guys, that's it uh, for The Dark Crystal. Uh, Molly, thanks so much for coming. I actually had a great time doing this. Yeah, this is awesome. I mean, it helps that we were talking about some of my favorite childhood films. but That's right. <laughs> Next time uh, you come, we're going to we're gonna get way into some horror stuff. We'll pick some really weird horror <laughs> movies and just go nuts. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, guys, uh, you can find Molly. Her website is uh, thebloggingbanshee.com. You can find her work on uh, several places, including Fangoria. Molly, would you like to talk about all the places they can find your work in case I'm forgetting some? Um, let's see if I can remember them all. Uh, Nightmarish Conjurings, Ghastly Grinning, 1428 Elm. Um, the, I think it's the I always forget because it's different depending on if you're looking at Twitter or not. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and yeah, and then Fangoria. I think that's it. Yeah. Yes. And then her Twitter handle is at Blogging Banshee. I just looked it up to make sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad you did her. because I would have forgotten again. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, really good content. Uh, thank you so much for making time. Uh, means the world to me. Uh, lovely talks about two lovely movies. Those are great picks. Great picks. Thanks. All right, guys, that's it for our Friday night double feature. Uh, please take a second leaving us a rating and review wherever you find the show, especially 
Apple Podcasts. That helps out enormously. You can see the faces uh, that make these voices on our YouTube channel, Nerd Alchemist. That's plural with an S at the end. And find us on all your social media. Email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Uh, we're still in the middle of the pod is held captive month. Really good stuff coming up. Uh, Black Snake Moan, a movie called Captivity. Knock Knock with Keanu. Lots of good stuff, so stay tuned, guys. Uh, and follow all Molly's stuff. For the Film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. And she's Molly. <laughs> oh, sorry. I, should... <laughs> I think you're waiting for me. Sorry, I, I forgot. We don't have, like, a thing yet. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>